turn with me in Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3. How great is our God. Today is a wonderful example of that. Um, We have looked into, in chapter 2, the faith of a woman named Rahab. Well, today, that faith is transferred to fall upon the nation of Israel. They are asked to cross the Jordan River. They've been asked to do that 40 years earlier. And their parents did not have the faith or the trust in God to do what God commanded them and asked them to do, to go in and to take the land. Crossing the Jordan River into Canaan was a major turning point as far as the faith of the Israelites was concerned. Some 40 years earlier, they didn't do it. They faced a very similar crisis, and their families, their parents said, no, we will not go into the land. Rather, we would go back to Egypt. And so to walk in the wilderness in Sinai after crossing the Red Sea was was a step of faith. That's true. That is absolutely true. But to invade the land of Canaan, to cross the Jordan River, this took a great deal more faith. I mean, I I understand what their parents must have thought. Crossing the Jordan, there would be now no possibility of escape. Once they got into the land of Canaan, they would have to face the enemy. And as we've already been told, the 12 spies that went in to seek out the land, Ten of them came back and said, we are like grasshoppers in their sights. In other words, these people are way too powerful for us. Only Caleb and Joshua said, no, we can, we can possess the land. The Lord our God has given us the land. And so now once they cross this Jordan River, they have to face the armies, the chariots, and the walled and... Um, protected cities of the people that they were going to go in to do battle with. And yet this entire nation of Israel took this step together of faith in trust and their commitment to God. Here's what this message is all about. Please hear. Salvation is a wonderful part of our lives. It is the essential to eternity. It it separates the person from heaven and hell. It, it gives us a relationship with God that, that is second to no other relationship you and I will ever have. The problem with most of us as believers today, we think that that's the ultimate and only step that needs to be taken. And it's not. It's just the beginning. And we're going to see that today. That's, that's the essence of today's study. That this, this step of faith that you and I have made to trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior is just the beginning. Now our faith really is tested. Will we walk with the Lord as we've been asked to walk? Read with me the whole chapter, can you believe? I know, it's too much for me. Um, I studied the names. I think I got them down. Um, but we'll see when we get there, won't we? I get tongue-tied when I get to that. 
chapter 3, verse 1. We'll read to verse 17, the end of the chapter. Then Joshua rose early in the morning. He and all the sons of Israel set out from Shittim and came to the Jordan, and they lodged there before they crossed. It came about at the end of three days that the officers went through the midst of the camp, and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, your God, with the Levitical priests carrying it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. However, there shall be a distance between you and it, a a distance of about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua spoke to the priests, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant, and cross over ahead of the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went ahead of the people. Now the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all of Israel, and they will know that just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. You shall moreover command the priests who are carrying the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When you come to the edge of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. Then Joshua said to the sons of Israel, Come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, By this you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will assuredly dispossess from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, The ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over ahead of you into the Jordan. Now then, take for yourselves twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one man for each tribe. And it shall come about when the soles of the feet of the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan shall be cut off, and the waters which are flowing down from above shall stand in one heap. So it came about when the people set out from their tents to cross the Jordan with the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And when those who had carried the Ark came to the Jordan and the feet of the priests carrying the Ark were dipped into the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows all its banks, all of its banks, all the days of harvest, that the waters which were flowing down from above stood and rose up in one heap a great distance away at Adam, the city that is beside Zarethan, and those which were flowing down towards the sea of Arabah, the salt sea, were completely cut off. So the people crossed opposite Jericho, and the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan, while all, the, while all Israel crossed on dry ground until all the nation had finished crossing the Jordan. This is an amazing place. It took a great deal of faith from the priests to carry that, um, that ark, to step foot in the water and to trust that the Lord would stop the water. He stopped the water, it says, in, in the city in verse 16 at Adam. That was approximately a mile away. And the the waters just stood up. And there they could walk through on dry land. 
And there were the priests in the middle of the Jordan River holding the ark while people marched through to go to the other side. It was a great, great step of faith. If you will notice, we'll get to it in a moment. This chapter is really cut into two pieces. It is the trust of the Word of God and then the moving out in faith upon the Word of God. These two things are essential in your life and my life. Hearing the Word and then acting upon the Word by faith. The walk of faith. So let's pray and let's ask God to bless this time. Dear Father, please... Allow us to honor you. If there be any sin in my life, dear Father, while I'm quiet for this moment, would you please convict me of it? And Father, would you allow me to be faithful to to, uh, seek your forgiveness so that I might be a a man who walks with you and, and, and be able to teach your word clearly and plainly, Father that there would be no hindrance between myself and what is to be said. And with that in mind, I, I pray that you would hide me, Father, that you would just move me aside, that, that we would not really think about who is speaking so much as we think about what is being said through your word so we might hear your heart, hear your voice in the quietness of our own hearts. Would you bless the people of this church, Father, please, and other churches in this area. Bless them all. Let this day be a day where where people turn to you, people walk with you, that we would hear your voice, just as those in the day of Joshua heard his voice and your voice through him. And when we hear your voice, Father, may we be like the priests, the Levitical priests, who stepped into the waters that were flowing down stepped in step by step as you stopped the waters so that they could stand in dry ground. Some of us here today, Father, need to make a step of faith. We've, uh, we're going through some difficult times and don't know what to do. May we hear your voice and may we make a walk of faith towards you knowing that you care for us, Father. So, Lord, bless this time that we have. Thank you for every soul that's here week in and week out, Father. It's, um, it's really a privilege to be a part of this church. Allow us to honor you and to glorify your holy and righteous name. We pray this, Father, not on our own behalf. We pray this in the name of your Son, our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We come to you in his name. For it is He who has forgiven us our sins by what He did on the cross. It is He, Father, who has shed His blood so that we might have the forgiveness of sin. It is He, Father, who allows us to come to You boldly and confidently. It is He, Your Son, Jesus Christ, in whom we honor. In His name, Father, we thank You. Amen. I want you to keep in mind as we take a look at this chapter, as we go through the book of Joshua, it deals with much more than ancient history and the battles that they have to do. We're going to come upon a lot of wars. It's, a, it's an examination of the Jews, but in reality it is, 
It's about our lives. It's about us as a church. It's about us as a people. It is about what God wants to do in and through your life and my life here and now. It's about our trusting and obeying. It's about our taking a step of faith into the water, so to speak, and getting our feet wet and then watching it dry up as we take another step, getting our other foot wet and watching it dry up, trusting, trusting, trusting God, step by step, moment by moment. The, the book of Joshua is really about that. It's, it's the victory it's the victory uh, that comes through faith and, and it's the glory that you and I can give God by trusting Him and obeying Him as we walk with Him moment by moment, day by day, trusting in His Word. As a Christian, you need to know we are either victorious or we are a victim. We have choices to make throughout our lives as believers in Jesus Christ. You see, God has saved you and me for a reason. He has saved us so that we would move forward in faith to claim our rich inheritance and our blessings that we have in Christ. We read that in the book of Ephesians. Moses said it really perfectly. Moses said perfectly in Deuteronomy 6:23. He said, God brought us out from there in order to bring us in. Why did God call us into this life of faith? Moses says he brought us out so as to give us the land which he had sworn to our fathers. There are promises that God has made to you and me. He has brought us out. He has given us salvation so that we might do what God has called us to do. Now, in a room this size and with this many people in it, what you and I have to do might vary. Collectively, as we move together as a church, that is a collective movement. But in your life, the difficulties that you might be going through, the, the decisions that you have to make, there are decisions and difficulties that you and I have to make in our lives that will be a step of faith. We need to trust upon the Word of God. You see, today... Too many believers today, too many Christians today have been taught that the be-all and the do-all of our faith is to have salvation. That's, that is, in and of itself, that is a true statement. I mean, that gives us eternal life. But, like being delivered out of the bondage of Egypt for the Israelites, in our salvation for you and me, it's not just salvation that is involved within our life as believers. No, you and I have been called to work and, and to move and to live out our lives in faith. And you and I have been called for service. Like Israelites were warriors. When they left Egypt, they got to the Jordan and they had to cross it and they had to become soldiers. They had to become warriors in this land. So you and I today are like warriors in this land in which we live. But salvation is only the beginning of our faith. If you look in Joshua chapter 13, that you can find real quickly. The Lord said to Joshua in, in Joshua chapter 13 in verse 1, Joshua was old and advanced in years, it says in, in Joshua 13.1. Joshua was old and advanced in years. Then the Lord said to him, you're old, 
you're advanced in your years. And, he says, very much of the land remains to be possessed. In other words, Joshua, get off of this kick you have that you're older. Get off of this kick that you have that you've done all that you now need to do and you're going to sit back and relax. No, Joshua, get out there. There is still work to be done. What God said to Joshua, He is saying to those of us who are older. He's saying to those of us that don't feel adequate. He is saying to those of us that feel we can't do all that God has called us to do. And He's saying, look, get off of your duff now. There is still more to be accomplished. I I think we misunderstand that God has allowed us this day to live not only just to do the things here on this earth, but He has allowed you and me this day to live, to honor and glorify Him, and to take a step of faith into the waters or into whatever it is that you and I are going through so that we can get through this so as to glorify our God. The theme of the book of Joshua, please turn with me to Hebrews chapter 6. Please. Hold your place here in Joshua. This is, I want you to read this because it's important. The theme of the book of Joshua coincides or is likened to the theme of the book of Hebrews chapter 6. In Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 1, you know Hebrews is a lot about faith. Faith, faith, faith. Without faith, Hebrews tells us it is impossible for you and me to please God. So, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Therefore, let's leave the elementary teachings about Christ. In other words, what you and I know about the Lord for our salvation is wonderful, but let's leave that and let's press on, it says in verse 1 of chapter 6 of Hebrews, let's press on towards maturity. In other words, There's more to do. Just as the Lord God said to Joshua when he was advanced in his years, there's still land, Joshua, that remains to be possessed. And in your life and in my life, there's still more that needs to be done for our Lord. So let's press on towards maturity. Not laying again, uh, verse uh, 1 of chapter 6 of Hebrews, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, and of faith towards God. The only way for you and me to move ahead in our lives is to move forward. And the only way we can move forward and please God is to do it by faith. Faith. You and I have been called for more. Whatever more is in your life, I don't know. I really don't. But there is more. I'm sure of it. As long as you and I draw breath, there is more that we are to do unto the Lord. That needs to be taught in every church. Because we settle back and we think, I've been saved, that's good enough, I'm going to heaven. True, that's wonderful. But while we are here on earth, we've been called to do things unto the Lord. And that's what Joshua chapter 3 is truly all about. Let's go back to Joshua chapter 3, but slip past it and look at Numbers chapter 14. We've already read this. 
But unbelief is the opposite of faith. John tells us in 1 John, but go to Numbers chapter 14. John tells us in 1 John the victory that we have, the victory that has allowed us to overcome the world is our what? Faith. It is. That's it. This is the victory that you and I have to overcome the world. It is faith. Faith is the essence of this chapter. The opposite of faith is what I just said a moment ago. It's unbelief. And that's what happened to the people of Israel 40 years earlier before they made this crossing right here in chapter 3. They, the people, said, no, we, we can't go. Look what they said. This is after the 10 spies, the 12 spies had come back. Ten of them said, we cannot take the land. The, the people there across the Jordan, they're much, 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 much too big. They're way too strong. We are like grasshoppers in their sight. And so the congregation fed upon that after Joshua and Caleb said, no, 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 wait, we can go in. God has given us the land. We can do this. The people went to bed that night, and in Numbers chapter 14, verse 1, all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. They thought, oh my goodness. Well, let's read what they thought. All the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Oh, would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or or would that we had died in this wilderness. We can't go to the other side. And then they dropped this bomb on, on Moses and Aaron. How would you like to have been them when God said, I want you to take these people across the Jordan River. And people say to them in verse 3, Why is the Lord bringing us into this land? To fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones are going to become plunder. Wouldn't it have been better for us to go back to Egypt? I mean, think about it. How would you like to lead that congregation? I mean, really, if, if one of them, their, their, God forbid, one of their little kids dies or, or one of the wives dies, how do you think Moses and Aaron would feel? I mean, that's a terrible burden for them to have to go through. And the people said, oh, we should have gone back to Egypt. And so it says in verse 4, they they said, the congregation who was grumbling against them said, let us appoint a leader and let's return to Egypt. These, These two guys, Moses and Aaron, they failed us at every turn. You remember what Moses and Aaron, Moses went to the Lord and said, Lord, these people are about ready to stone me. And he reminded him, they're not grumbling against you, Moses. Their unbelief is not against you, Moses. It's against me. Don't you dare take it and put it upon yourself, Moses. They're grumbling against me. Forty years earlier, Joshua and Caleb assured the people. They assured the Jews, saying, let's go in. Let's possess this land. God has given it to us. We can overcome them. Yeah, there was going to be a loss of life. Yeah, there was going to be some hurts. There was going to be some bruises. But we can do this. God has called us to do this. But the people said, no, we're not able. Let's go back to Egypt. That, That, folks, is unbelief. Pure and simple. It's unbelief. And their unbelief cost the nation of Israel 40 more years of wandering in the wilderness. And none of those people who wouldn't go in got to go in. They all died in the wilderness. All of them. The only one that went in was Joshua with their children, the next generation. 
You see, God hasn't changed. He hasn't changed today because He cannot change. God cannot change. His principles of faith have not changed and they will not change. What changes is our attitude as believers, our being taught um, frivolous things from the Word of God that don't challenge us. You think this is a fun message to give? It's not. It's much better to tell you, you know how nice you are and how wonderful you are and God loves you so much and, and let's, let's do a topical study today, you know. Let's talk about the society in which we live today and you are really wonderful people. God bless you. Go your way. That's, that, that's, that's one way of teaching the Word of God and that usually draws a crowd because people want to hear that. Very few people want to hear, look, you've become a believer now. Now you've got to get into the race. Now you've got to do something and there's going to be a battle before you. There's going to be a battle. And the attitude of people today in the, word of, in the world that we live have heard so many watered-down messages that unbelief now is becoming really... Uh, a danger zone with us and within Christianity. And now we argue against one another. We no longer believe God and His Word because most of us don't really know His Word. And we no longer act upon faith and His promises because we don't really know all of His words of faith and all of His promises. Because many, many churches and Christians today are not being taught the Word. And, and they don't understand what is it that God is saying to us. People, His promises never, 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 never fail. I'm going to look at two places in Hebrews. I wasn't going to have you turn. I, I'm, I'm really going to. But it's so small. But it's, it, it, if you don't have it underlined, maybe you need to. The book of Hebrews is, is, is tucked in. in you, if you go to the last book in the Bible, the book of Revelation, you turn past 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and 1st and 2nd Peter, and you'll find James. And then the next book is Hebrews. And I want you to look at two places. First, I want us to look at Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5. And I want to assure you, by the Word of God, not by my Word, that God's promises will never, ever fail. Can we not believe when he says in Hebrews 13, 5, For he himself, God himself has said, I will never, I will never desert you, and I will never forsake you. Now that's either true or it's not. You either rest upon that belief or you say, eh, I don't know if he's going to do that for me. It may be the next guy, but I don't know. And you and I need to internalize that. I will never desert you. I will never forsake you, says the Lord God. Now, turn to the third chapter of Hebrews. While you're looking, don't look for any particular verses. Just look at Hebrews chapter 3 for a moment. Just find it. In Joshua chapter 23 and verse 14, Joshua tells the people, Behold, today I'm going the way of all the earth. And this is perhaps one of the great verses in all of Scripture. Have you found Hebrews chapter 3? Hold the place there. Now look at Joshua. Go back to Joshua. Behold chapter 3 of Hebrews. I want you to see this. Look at, look at Joshua but now look at chapter 23. This is probably one of the great verses in all of this particular book. The whole book of Joshua, this, this verse, chapter 23, verse 14, is perhaps the most powerful. Joshua is going to tell the people today, he says, I'm going to go the way of all the earth. 
basically he is saying to them, I'm about to die. And so he is now going to tell them what he is thinking is the utmost importance. When my mother died, and when my father died, I had two of the greatest privileges that any man could ever ask for in his life. My father died in my arms on the last day of our vacation in Hawaii. At that time and before, I would have wanted to be anywhere but there. At that time, I'm holding my dad in my arms on the floor of the, of the bedroom he and mom were sleeping in as he was trying to get dressed. My father's little guy, but boy, he was a tough little nut. Man. And he was, he was propped against the wall trying to get his pants on because we were going to go to the airport. And mom said, I don't think dad's doing well. And I went in and that was where I found him. So I lowered it in my arms and I, uh, I realized I tried to give him, uh, tried to resuscitate him, you know, and, and I got to tell him how much he meant to me. And you know, at that moment when my father was dying, I didn't mix any words. You don't, you know, at that moment in time, you tell the person that you love the most important thing. And I got to tell my dad he was the greatest dad that I could have ever had. And it's still a moment in my life that I remember, and it brings me to tears even to this day, and it happened quite a while ago in 86, 85 maybe. And I got to tell him how much I love him. Some years later, a few years ago now, my mother was dying, and I told her, you know, I tell you guys I love you all the time. You could imagine how much I tell my mom how much I love her. I would tell her that every time we got together, hugged her, kissed her. She was a great lady. <clears throat> and she was um, lying in the bed in the hospital. And I got to say to her what was at that time the most important thing I could say because it was obvious that she was going to die. She was 94. She lived such a wonderful long life. And uh, I told her how much I loved her. And there was no reaction. This is going to be hard. And so I leaned down and I got as close to her ear as I could. And I sang to her a song we used to always sing together. There's a song in uh, our native language of Croatia. Oi, Mariana, Slako, Malo, Mariana. It's uh, my sweet little Marie. And uh, her eyebrows went up. It was a moment I will forever remember. I got to sing to my mother on her deathbed, tell her how much I love her. Sorry, I'm crying. But I say all of that to say at this moment in Joshua chapter 23 and verse 14, Joshua is telling the people, look, the people that he loved, he is saying to them, I'm going the way of all the earth. In other words, I'm about to die. And so he says this. Listen to these words. I was going to 
dark, in my, when I make my notes, I, I darken things that are very important. I darken the whole verse. I couldn't help but darken it all. He says, you know, in all of your hearts and in all of your souls, that not one word, all the good words which the Lord your God spoke concerning you has failed. All have been fulfilled for you. Not one of them has failed. That's the truth of the Word of God. That's the truth that you and I have to stand upon. Now, it doesn't always happen real fast, you know. Sometimes you have to wait for God to live out the blessings within your lives. Those things don't happen like immediately. But because He sometimes waits, doesn't mean that He has forgotten. He's already told you, I'm not going to desert you. I am not going to forsake you. Here's the sad part. Turn back now to Hebrews chapter 3. The sad part is though God never fails, sometimes you and I can live a life and not enter into all that He has promised us. And we fail to do whatever it is that we're supposed to do simply because of unbelief. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 19 says this, we see that they were not able to enter. Why? Because of one word and one word only. Not because they weren't courageous. Not because they weren't anything. It was because of unbelief. Unbelief is the death knell for you and me as believers in Jesus Christ. Now, let's finish up this message. I said to you there are two essentials back to chapter 3. Of, about Joshua. There are two essentials that are, are needed within our lives to live by what God has given us. And that is His Word and that is our walk that matches His Word. In verses 1 through 13, there are five times that Joshua gives the people the Word of God. And then in verses 14 through 17, there is one time that they are to step out in faith by what God has promised them. Watch. Joshua's word to the people, verse 5, consecrate yourselves. That means bathe yourselves, cleanse yourselves, sanctify or purify yourself. Today, you and I have been asked to consecrate ourselves, to separate ourselves from this world. In other words, to deliver all sin that is in our lives and to ask God to forgive us so that we might cleanse ourselves. 1 John 1, 9, if we'll confess our sin... He will be faithful. He will be just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us, consecrate us from all unrighteousness. That's our job. The Lord in Exodus, the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today. Let them wash their garments. Some of God's promises, you know, are unconditional. That means that all we have to do is believe He does all the rest. But some of God's promises are also conditional, meaning that there are requirements that we must meet to do certain things. In this case, they were to consecrate themselves. In our case, we are to cleanse ourselves from all sin. In doing these things, it 
doesn't mean we, we earn God's blessings. It just shows our God how faithful we are to Him, our obedience to Him. Then in verse 6, Joshua gives a word to the priests. They had the responsibility of carrying the ark. They were to lead the people into the water. In fact, if you'll note, in verse 4, very end of that verse, they're to lead the people in a way that they have never passed before. It was the priests who had to get their feet wet before God would open the waters. It was the priests who had to stand in the middle of the river until all the people passed through. It was the priests who had to make the first step of faith. It took courage, folks. It took courage for these priests to do their job. But they trusted God and they relied upon the faithfulness of His Word. They had to trust in Him. Then God's Word came to Joshua Himself, first to the people, then to the priests, and now to Joshua in verse 7 and 8. And He said to Joshua, Both you and Moses, Joshua, have received your authority and your instructions from Me, the Lord. I can only tell you that that ought to be true of every single one of us. Everyone who wants to be a servant of God has to receive any authority that we might have or any instructions that we might have from God. And I can say to you with all of sincerity of my heart, you and I are very fortunate here at this church that we have a pastor by the name of Wes Brown. We have to thank God for him because most of what he does you don't see. He is the most thorough. He is the most God-fearing man I've ever known. There is no way that he would say yes to any one of us, any one of us, me included, that would nullify the truth of God. If you want to hear the truth, you want to get black and white, you go to West. If you do not want to deal with the truth, then come to me. That's, I, I'll, I'll say things that will make you want to like me more. Wes will tell you things that will make you want to like God more. Our authority and our instructions have come from God and woe to the church that have people that don't understand that. And finally, in verses 9 through 13, then God's Word, not Joshua, but God's Word came to the people. True, God's Word came through Joshua to the people, through through Joshua to the priest, and through Joshua to himself. But now God's Word spoke to the people. Having instructed Joshua, having instructed the priest how to carry the ark, Joshua then shared the words of the Lord. And note, in verses 9 through 13, he does not magnify himself. He magnified his Lord. He rendered them his promises and his word of faith, encouraging the people simply to trust and obey. If you'll note in verse 10... Joshua called their God and our God and his God the living God. He says in verse 10, Joshua said, By this you shall know that the living God is among you. You see, what they had to do was a tremendously faithful thing. And Joshua is reminding them that the living God is with us. And then in verses 11 and 13, he reminds them and himself and us that he, this living God, is the Lord of all the earth. Look at verse 11. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing ahead of you. 
verse 13. It shall come about when the soles of the feet of the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, when it rests in the water, the waters will, will, will build up and will not pour upon you. Only God could do what God was going to do. In your life, in your life, in my life, in our lives, only God can accomplish what needs to be accomplished for us to do what God wants us to do. What God is asking for you and me is do we have the faith to go through it? And then in verses 14 through 17, that is the walk of faith. Now they've heard the word of God. And now we see in verses 14 through 17, unless they step out by faith, unless they get their feet wet, and so in speaking, unless you and I get our feet wet in ministry, we're not likely to make much progress in living out for Christ the rest of our lives by faith. This journey that you and I are on is a journey of total faith. This this, this thing that we call Christianity is not some simple little stroll in the park. It's a battle. It is done on a battleground in this world which is ruled by, well, run by Satan. We have a life of total faith. Nothing more, nothing less. Each step that the priests took opened the water before them until they were standing in the midst of the river on dry ground. And I don't believe that any of the steps that they made did not touch water. I believe it was water, and then it's dry and it stopped up. I believe it was water, and it stopped up. I believe it was water. I believe every step was a step of faith. And then the water was building up in the city called Adam, which was approximately a mile away. And then they were standing in the midst of that river on dry ground, and the whole nation crossed over. And that was just the part of the battle, because once they got to the other side, then they had to take take control of the enemy. And once they cross the other side, then the water resumed. That's true to your faith and mine. You and I are never to stand still in this thing that we call our, our Christian life. We either are moving forward by faith or we are going backwards through unbelief. Romans 10:17 tells us faith comes from hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And so the encouragement to you and and I today is that we need to be a people of faith. We need to trust in the Word of God. We need to move on the Word of God. And we need to believe the Word of God. But once we do all that, we need to make a step of faith. I don't know what it is that you need to do in your life. I know what we plan to do as a church. And we're waiting for you to move with us. Make us steps of faith. And we're excited about where this church is going. And we love every single one of you. For those of you that are going through deep waters, I pray that you will see the hand of God upon you. He will never desert you, nor will He ever forsake you. You've got a great God who loves you. Father, please, bless these people. Bless us all. Thank you for, for your kindness. And Lord, may we uh, find our faith and our trust in your word. And your promises, knowing that you'll never desert us, nor will you ever forsake us, you will not fail us, Father. And Father, may we be the same to you. May we not fail you. May we live out our lives as believers, best we know how, following you with all of our heart, with all of our souls, and with all of our strength. I pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I love you all so much. Have a great, 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 great day. God bless you so much.